0: Welcome, you're listening to Living Faith Podcast. When the game was released last October, the video game Call of Duty Black Ops 4 sold five Hundred million dollars worth of games in three days. Worldwide, one half billion dollars selling one video game, Call of Duty Black Ops Four. Now that video game began in a series about fifteen years ago with the original game Call of Duty. And since then, that developer has released Call of Duty 2, Call of Duty 3, Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, Call of Duty World at War, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, Call of Duty Black Ops, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, Call of Duty Black Ops 2, Call of Duty Ghosts. Call of Duty Advanced Warfare, Call of Duty Black Ops 3, Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remastered, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, Call of Duty World War 2, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, and coming this fall, another version of Call of Duty Modern Warfare. It's almost sounding like a sermon series, right? To date, including all the options for that one war game video game, there are 26 titles. That company has sold 300 million copies around the world. Listen, the population of the U.S. is about 340 million. Can you imagine one video game for every American? $15 billion in just that one title of warfare video game. You can do a quick search, but our society is selling war as being fun. War as entertainment. You search online, in addition to Call of Duty, there are games called Battlefield, Wolfenstein, Sudden Strike, Operation Flashpoint, Gears of War, Brothers in Arms, DEF Con, This War of Mine, Valiant Hearts, and I could go on and on. For hundreds of millions of gamers, just hear me today, war is fun. War is a way to escape reality. War is entertainment for 300 million users around the world in just one series title. We've sold and developed war as being entertainment. But can I I just associate today that war is not entertainment for those who have actually fought. War is not entertaining to the soldier whose buddy was blown to smithereens in an improvised explosive device. War is not entertainment for the soldier who today even deals with post-traumatic stress disorder, who doesn't sleep right, maybe can't hold relationships or a job. It's not entertaining to those folks any whatsoever. Writing in his book, Extreme Ownership, former SEAL Leif Babin recalls this war experience. He says, late at night, he and another SEAL found themselves isolated from their unit." As they were about to handcuff a suspected terrorist, suddenly Leif heard movement. And when he looked through his night vision goggles about 40 yards away, there were seven or eight heavily armed men moving rapidly in their direction. They were outnumbered and they were outgunned. Leif explained it like this, Though combat, is often depicted in movies and video games. This was not a movie. And it was certainly no game. There were heavily armed and dangerous men determined to kill. Were any of us to fall into their hands, we could expect to be tortured in unspeakable ways and then decapitated on video for all the world to see. They wanted nothing more than to kill us, and they were willing to die by the dozen to do so. Spoken by a man who's lived war. War is violent. War is destructive. Of course it's physically destructive, we think of human lives taken or damaged. But war is financially destructive. It wipes out both sides in the conflict. And there are significant billions of dollars invested in rebuilding afterwards. Some countries never fully recover. There is social destruction. There's emotional destruction. I I just want us to grasp today, real war is not entertainment. Real war is It's not a game. Real war is no fun whatsoever. Particularly in video games, but also in training and in other uses. There's a technology that's rapidly improving. It's called virtual reality. Virtual reality. It's increasing in popularity as the technology gets better and better. Virtual reality is just what it says. It's a simulated experience, and it can be similar to reality or completely different from the real world. Just to give you a little humorous glimpse of virtual reality and its uses, virtual reality, simulated experience can be similar to reality, but can also be completely different from the real world. Virtual reality, those are those funny little goggles he had on. These are my simulated goggles today. In virtual reality, you can. You can be someone who's completely out of shape, spending countless hours crashed on a basement couch. But in virtual reality, you can be the totally toned warrior and victor of the world. In reality... You can be someone who hasn't bathed in far too long and living on Pop-Tarts and Red Bull. But in virtual reality, you can be the attractive main character in a spy drama solving crimes on a Caribbean island in virtual reality. Or it can work the other way. In, In reality, you could be a typical, average Suburban person living in a nice home with a controlled atmosphere and air conditioning and a comfortable couch and dressed well. But in virtual reality, you are in a sweaty, tropical jungle trying to get by and stay alive. In virtual reality. Certainly improving in its technology, but let me say this. The reason these... Headphones work. Anybody have a virtual reality headset? The reason the technology works and it's viable is because we want to believe it. Because we allow it. Because I'm willing to sit on a couch and the humorous video and put on a headset that blocks out all the rest of the world and headphones that takes out all the rest of sound and I can live in a different world, in a different time, in a different place. It's only succeeding because I give it permission and I design it to stay in the world that's being stated to me. Users choose to believe the virtual more than reality. All right, preacher, you're all over the map today. What in the world are you getting at? Well, sometimes we get selective about the things that we believe about Christianity. It's easy to focus on the joy and the peace and the hope of Christianity. And these are genuine aspects of following Jesus. They're real. They're legit. They're absolutely part of the picture. But they're just one side of the story. There are other elements of real Christianity that are easily overlooked. For instance, in Matthew 10, 34, look what Jesus said to his disciples. He was pretty direct. He said, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Wow, that's contrary to all our Christmas songs, isn't it? Joy to the world, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Everybody with me? Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but... To bring a sword, he went on to talk about how being a disciple of Christ can cause conflict and arguments within families and division, even from husbands and wives, because they choose to follow Jesus Christ. Paul told Timothy, you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And then Paul elaborated more to the Ephesian disciples in Ephesians 6, beginning at verse 10. Look at this. Finally, my brethren, or else, here's a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places." Now, wrestle there is talking about close combat, hand-to-hand combat. It talks about individual involvement in a battle. Peter writes further about our enemy and his relentless pursuit. In 1 Peter 5.8, Peter said, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour can i just make it clear this afternoon a little christian reality human beings are engaged in war over their spiritual eternal soul you got to hear it clearly today. This is more than a group of people that like to sing kumbaya songs. It's more than a group of people that want to learn a Bible and memorize some scriptures. We are involved. All of earth and humanity is involved in a battle. And that's a battle over the internal destination of every human being. We are at spiritual war. It's a relentless enemy. That's a Christian reality. I speak today that you and I would not be lulled into some kind of virtual reality where Christianity is only good stuff and and cherries and cream and berries and cream and good desserts and nice cheesecake and sweet stuff and friendly gatherings. That that's all it's involved. That there's going to be peace and prosperity and I'm going to drive a nice car and live in a nice house and have nice friends if I follow Jesus Christ. All of that is possible, but I want us to understand there is a time when we would get lost in that virtual reality. And forget the fact that we are at war and that war is ugly and nasty and that war involves destruction of properties and we need to be careful about that. It's a continuous battle. One man explained it this way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps. It's a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. That sounds pretty clear to me. You and I ought to be aware and not to fall asleep and get lulled into some other kind of comfortable reality. Preacher, I'm not in any kind of battle. I don't got any trouble in my life. Come on, preacher. I, I don't hear any guns. I don't hear any bombs. I don't hear any verbal threats. I don't hear anything going on. I don't know what you're talking about. You're getting a little worked up and a little hyper, and a little exaggerated over a few scriptures of long ago. I'm not in any kind of battle. Can I submit to you that maybe you're sitting with some virtual reality goggles on and perhaps you've got sunk down in a foxhole and in the bottom of that hole you've gotten comfortable not listening to the enemy above ground all around you and maybe you've gotten comfortable kind of eating your enemy. MREs, your meals ready to eat and maybe you've gotten comfortable just sitting in the bottom of a dirt hole and comfortable sleeping and being in your own peace and thinking nobody's around but reality is there's an enemy that's come up out of his foxhole and all of his imps are all moving out around the ground. He doesn't stop. He doesn't hold back. He doesn't put an end to it. But he is constantly seeking whom he may devour. I, I want to speak into somebody's life this afternoon. Don't be lulled into a virtual reality. We are in a spiritual battle. <clears throat> Understand humanity is at war. For all eternity. After Paul reminded Timothy he was a soldier, he wrote this in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4. He said, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Paul recognized this. There is something. Inherent in us as humans, we tend to forget that war isn't fun. We tend to forget that war isn't entertainment. Paul recognizes something about us that when we forget what's going on, we forget that we're engaged in a spiritual war. And when we forget those truths, there's a tendency to become entangled with this life. And so we approach life as being only human and only earthly, and we get entangled in this life. And so everything we face in life's challenges, we tend to look on merely human solutions. I come up against something, and I've forgotten about the war, and I've forgotten about the danger, and I've forgotten about the battle, and I I handle everything that happens in life just like it's another human challenge. And so we face these things with merely human solutions. I want to say clearly today, that's a mistake. It's a mistake to believe that war is fun. It's a mistake to believe that Christianity is only peace, joy, and hope. And it's a mistake to view our circumstances as only human circumstances that need only human solutions. My wife and I, we moved to Everett in 2013, and in the first few months we were here of that year, we came here in March and probably through the end of calendar 2013, my wife and I experienced a number of very bizarre things. Particularly, we had some unusual and unexplainable interactions with people. Things that happened with complete strangers. We had no explanation for these things in human terms. In, in most of my Christian experience, I've been blessed to be raised up in a Pentecostal experience. I've heard stories about Evil spirits. I've heard stories about Satan's minions and threatening disciples. But, but I'd not known these kinds of things personally, at least not to this degree. So after a few months of these bizarre interactions, I happened to have a conversation over here with Brother Denny. Veteran Northwest pastor, global missionary so I began to talk to the elder about some things that were happening to my wife and I. And I detailed some of our experiences. He listened carefully. He nodded patiently. And then I said this. I said, Brother Denny, I have always been taught that there's a balance to serving God. And it's not all spiritual stuff. I've been taught, don't look for demons Under every rock. That's what I've been taught, Brother Denny. And what that teaching simply meant is that some things are human. Some troubles in life are just human. If I get a flat tire, it's because I ran over something or they're too bald and I never rotated them. It's not because some demon jumped on my car and ice picked my tire. Some things are just human. One evangelist used to say, Mosquito bites and flat tires are not the devil. Some things are just human. So I had that perspective coming into my life, and and I don't want to blame everything crazy that happens on it's the devil, you know? Everything that takes place, it's the devil. I got a cold, it's the devil. Did your whole family get a cold? Well, yeah. Does your whole family serve God? Well, no. Why did the devil give all your unsafe family a cold? Maybe it's just a cold. So in that balanced perspective, I said to Brother Denny, I said, Brother Denny, I've been taught not to look for a demon under every rock. And he calmly and graciously smiled and nodded and he said, well, pastor, sometimes we can't ignore when the demon is sitting on top of the rock. Sometimes you and I need to pay attention and I'm so thankful for that kind way that Brother Denny reminded me. You know what? He was saying very kindly, war is not fun. He was reminding us that we are in a spiritual battle. He was reminding us there is a spiritual enemy who as a roaring lion seeks whom he may devour. He doesn't rest. His minions are constantly at it. He is constantly working again and again and sometimes there's an enemy, a devil, a demon sitting on top of a rock and we've got to recognize we are in a spiritual battle and I'm not out of the Bible here. Paul said we wrestle not against flesh and Blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. There are times when what's given you and I the business is not human. And the enemy is chasing us down. The enemy is trying to determine if we're sitting in a foxhole, playing like it's all peaches and gravy and good food and fine fellowship. Paul explained it this way. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. See, not all trouble is human trouble. Some trouble is spiritual trouble. And here's the thing I want us to take home today. Spiritual trouble is not conquered with human solutions. For the weapons, verse 4, of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Hear me this afternoon. When our trouble is spiritual, you and I will only get over that and have victory in that when we respond with spiritual solutions. Human solutions can't resolve spiritual issues. i I got a human problems. I can Work with human answers, but when I've got a spiritual problem, I need some vertical solutions for those problems. Pastor Jack Hayford has said this you can't disciple a demon and you can't cast out the flesh. You can't disciple a demon and you can't cast out the flesh. Boy, isn't that what we do sometimes? We've got issues going on that are human issues and we want God to handle it all. We want to blame the devil for everything. You know, when I just get a bad attitude and a smart attitude and I get in a low place and I say something nasty to Noah and it offends him, that's all human. Ain't no devil involved with that. I can pray till the cows come home, but that's only getting fixed with a human thing when I go to Noah and say, bud, I had a wrong spirit, and I said some wrong things, and I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? Now, I might need to pray till my attitude's right, but God ain't going to fix that. That's a human thing. But in the same regard, when there are spiritual things going on, if the enemy comes in and starts driving a wedge between my wife and I, and there's... Crazy ideas coming into our minds and crazy things coming in. There's no validation and we begin to get upset and confused. There is no matter of conversation gonna straighten that out. Are y'all with me? There's no matter of human involvement. I can go to a counselor and we believe in counseling, we partner with a Christian counselor. But if there's a spiritual deal going on, no amount of counseling is gonna straighten that out. You can't cast out the flesh. Anoint me, pray for me." I was preaching a couple weekends ago in Ohio, and a lady brought her niece up to me and said, "I want you to pray for my niece." Well the, the lady was really praying, the niece wasn't praying too much at all. And so I, I said, "Well, what am I going to do in this situation because this kid really doesn't want to pray? She's a 20-something. I said, "How can I pray for you?" And she said this. She said, "Pray that I make right decisions." Well, I did a lot of talking before I did any praying. Because right decisions aren't a God thing, it's a human thing. God loves her. The Spirit can get her attitude right. But making right decisions, that's a human thing. You make a choice. I do this or I do this. That's a human thing. You can't cast out the flesh. I want God to overcome and overwhelm and help me to do the right thing. Look, the Spirit can compel us, but the Spirit doesn't work us like marionettes. In the same regard, when it's a spiritual thing, you're not going to discipline it out. Well, you got a spiritual battle going on. You know what? What I need to do is is I need to be more faithful to church. God knows everybody needs to be more faithful to church. But you can't just go to church and expect it to be handled when it's a spiritual deal. Well, I'll have a conversation. That ain't going to get it done when it's a spiritual deal because you cannot cast out the flesh and you can't disciple a demon. That is a biblical thing. Spiritual issues demand a spiritual result. Hear me today. Listen, when I don't manage my money, I am constantly battling debt. That's a flesh issue. That's not a God thing. If I flirt with a woman that's not my wife, that's a flesh thing. That's not a God thing. If I curse at the drivers on the highway, that's my humanity. That is not a spirit thing. Those things can be corrected by human discipline. We discipline the flesh, but spiritual things demand a spiritual response. And so Peter explained it like this in 1 Peter 5:9, here's what we're going to do for a spiritual response. 5:9 after he said the devil is a hungry roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, first thing he says is resist him. Resist him. You know the first step in a spiritual battle is recognizing I'm in a spiritual battle. And when I recognize it, say this, I'm going to fight. I am going to fight. I'm not laying down, I'm not giving up, I'm not throwing in the towel, I'm not making excuses, I'm going to fight. That decision, that determination is step number one. How do we fight with the enemy? Step number two. Same chapter, back a few verses, verse number six. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, That he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Two verses, really one response. We're going to God. I resist the devil, but I go to God. And when I go to God, I humble myself. Here's the bottom line of humbling myself. I say to God, I cannot fix this. There's that step. I cannot fix this. I have been unsuccessful. I can't whip it. I can't do it. This is beyond me. Step number one. Step number two, cast all your cares onto Him. You know what that is? I'm trusting God to be God. I'm saying, Lord, You can do what I can't do. It's a simple prayer. I can't do this. I know that You can. I'm not able to solve it, but I know that You are the solution. I don't have all the answers, but You are the answer. That is a spiritual solution to a spiritual battle. Now let me show you the proof that it works. Luke chapter 10. Jesus had sent out 70 disciples. After the 12, he'd sent out 70. He sent them out to do some ministry, and after they were out and about ministering, they came back. And in verse number 17 of Luke 10, they were all happy, and they said to Jesus, Lord, look, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Jesus told them, that's exactly the way I designed it. You use my name. I've given you authority over all power of the enemy. There's nothing that should hold you down. There's nothing that should hold you back. You get into a spiritual battle. Those spirits don't have victory over me. I saw Satan falling from heaven like lightning. I put him in his place and I am not afraid. Neither should you be afraid. Jesus gave authority over all the power of the enemy. So when we recognize, I'm in a spiritual battle, we respond with spiritual solutions. Victory is promised. Well, preacher, one thing. How do I know if my trouble is spiritual trouble? Well, if in listening to this message this afternoon... And the verses of scripture, something in your spirit said, that's the kind of fight I'm in. Well, there's a great sign right there. Another way to know is this. Is this issue, this thing you're facing, is it affecting your faith? Is it causing you to doubt Jesus? Is it causing you to doubt your involvement as a disciple? Is it making you wonder if you are really called to find salvation and be in heaven with Him forever? If it's causing you to doubt, that's a spiritual battle. Is this problem getting in the way of you following Jesus Christ? If It's a roadblock. It's keeping me. I can't progress. I can't go farther. It's holding me back. That's a spiritual battle. If you've done everything you can humanly do, you've followed everything you know how to follow, and this trouble still remains, then I suggest spiritual solutions are in order. And in this house right now, we're going to pray. Now, I want to make it very clear. As we pray right now, we're sending a very clear message. Message number one is to the enemy. And it says this, I know what you're up to, and I'm going to fight. That's message number one. When we go to prayer, we're sending a message to you. I know what you're up to, and I'm going to fight. Message number two is that simple prayer that says, Lord, I can't do this. And I know you can That humility and casting our care. I cannot overcome this, but you gave your disciples authority over all the power of the enemy. I can't do this. You can. That's the second prayer. Now, I want you to hear me very clearly right now. When we pray right now, we are re engaging battle, we are stepping back into the arena. When we pray right now, you know what we're doing? We're taking off any goggles we might have been wearing. Well, I haven't been living with goggles on, preacher, but maybe we slid some on for a while. Maybe we were on the couch a little too long and somebody offered us a pair of goggles, and we've been looking through there a little bit. And it's time to take off the goggles. That's what this prayer is about. But I want us to understand this that when we finish praying here today, if we pray for ten minutes or ten hours, the battle isn't over. The battle continues, the battle remains. What we are praying right now is that we are entering into the battlefield. I'm returning to the battlefield. I am recognizing there is a spiritual battle going on in my life and I am going to seek the King of kings and the Lord of lords and I am going to see what he will do in my life. So two different things I want us to pray right now. First of all, if you're here, And what I just described you think fits you. You think, you know what, I I feel like to some degree, maybe severe or minor, but I I am in a spiritual battle. And I want to make some declarations in prayer right now. If you feel that way, would you stand? Okay. There we go. Got folks standing. Thank you for your candidness, being open. God's going to honor that. Awesome. Awesome. Now, if you're here and you say, you know what, I don't think I'm in a spiritual battle, but somebody I care for a lot, somebody who matters to me, somebody I love, somebody who's close, I feel like they're in a spiritual battle, and I, I want to stand in for them. I want to see some victory in their lives. I, I want to be just representative of fighting for them. Would you stand? Well, got a house full. Not a houseful. Now we're gonna pray in the name of Jesus. And I want you to pray. I want you to make declaration. I want you to declare clearly and plainly, devil, I know what you're up to. I see your devices. And I put my faith in the Lord God Almighty. My trust and faith is in Him. I want you to surrender and say, Jesus, I I can't fix this. I don't have a handle on it. I don't have a solution. But I'm placing it all in your hands. And after you have prayed those things, I want you to think about that issue and think about that problem. And I want you to declare and begin to pray in the name of Jesus. I declare the authority of Jesus in the name of Jesus. If you want to pray, do that right now. I'm asking you to raise Raise your hands all over this house. Come on, everybody in this place right now. Enemy, we realize this life is not just full of human challenges and human troubles. But there are spiritual things at risk. There are spiritual elements. You and your imps have been rolling around as roaring lions trying to ruin some things in my life, trying to ruin some things in my family, trying to to destroy my eternal pursuit of Christ Jesus. I want you to know that I'm aware of that fight. I want to call right now in the name of Jesus on the power of the Lamb. Oh God, I can't do it on my own. Lord, I can't manage this. On my own. I, I don't have the answers. I don't have the solutions. There's there's no human outcome, Lord, that I can trust, but my trust is in you. My trust is in the great creator. My faith is in God Almighty. My, my faith is in the one who saw Satan cast out of heaven as lightning from the depths into the depths. I trust the one who said, I give you power. Over all the authority, all of the enemy. I give you that in the name of Jesus. Come on, I need some moms and dads to say in Jesus' name. I need some husbands and wives to say in Jesus' name. I need some elders to call out right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you can just shout Jesus, I need you to do that right now. It's time to get some spiritual, some some upgraded solutions, some kingdom solutions. In the name, above every name, in the name of Jesus, we call victory into families. In the name of Jesus, we call victory into the lost. We call victory into spiritual... You've been listening to the Living Faith Everett Podcast series. Tune in next week for the next part of the series, or join us online at livingfaithministries.church. You give me peace.